0: why don't I just pray for us and we'll jump right into things. Lord, thank you for this week. Thank you for um, letting us sit in your beauty and that even though there's a storm rolling in, we can see how powerful of a creator you are and may we just revel in that. That we take this time to worship you and to know you and to learn what it means to grow closer to you, Lord. In the name we pray. Amen. All right, this distraction exercise may be my favorite. Um. took me a couple minutes but this is what we're going to do Woo! where is Waldo so take you a couple minutes see if you can find him uh, look around at the scene I admit this one's difficult Do you want me to turn the lights off? Would that help? I'll tell you, he's not on the bottom of the screen. Is that helpful? I don't think he is. Alright, time's up. Did anybody find him? Where was he? He was on the step. He was on the step? He was on, the step. on the sta- Oh, come on now. Come on. So at our church, we play a lifetime game of Where's Waldo. I found a figurine of Waldo. And one youth group, I said, All right, guys, I hid Waldo tonight. Um, your objective is to find him. Um, and when you find him, you announce that you found him and that you've re- hit him. It's been going on for three years. Um, this is ongoing game of where's Walter. Well, the rules is he has to stay in the church, but other than that, the longest son- he lasted was six months. Um, in the elevator uh, in the like, there was like the phone cage you know where you open it up to emergency call somebody he was in there our maintenance guy found him because um, they do maintenance on the elevator not because Waldo was stuck in there but they opened it up and he was like hey John what it, what is this and I was like that's where's Waldo like you want to play the game and normally like he's like our maintenance guy is kind of a grumpy dude um, and I thought I'm like man there goes Waldo and he goes oh so I can hide him, And I said, yeah. yeah. He's like, awesome! And he like runs away, like really excited like a little kid. <laughs> so, what did you see? Here's, here's why I love Where's Waldo. Looking for Waldo is fun in and of itself, but there's a lot of amazing things happening on the page if you look close enough. Uh, here's one. This old dude just shoving a kid out of the way, like, you can't have ice cream, but these kids can. I'm not sure what's happening here. It's like he tried and something went horribly wrong. A child, not on the donkey, but I'm assuming is his dad, but also he has like the reins in his mouth. Do you see that? So the don- the donkey is walking the human. Who is that? Is it though? I-, I seriously looked for Waldo for half an hour and I could not find him. That is the closest thing I came to. Uh, he may or may not have been on that page, but that is where I found at least like, a look-alike like the cousin with like the mustache um, and he's wearing like black and yellow eyeball. so let me let me ask y'all this what was your technique for searching yeah I
1: was at, like,
2: every
0: you were scanning for, at every single person okay so my strategy is basically just eyeball
2: like what's the most highly uh, like what area you can do like most no densely so populated? calculate
0: because I knew like if it if the floor is going to be anywhere it's going to be hitting among like a bunch of people yeah so I looked at my area where there a bunch of people like I knew that one was just drop rock or a beach yeah yeah so you looked where it was a heavy population yeah I okay, kind of just scanned it like I was reading a book scanned it like you were reading like a snake a,
1: snake. a snake, uh, up and
0: around you looked at the stamp yeah you were like I know this is a trick. He's on the stamp. He's always on the stamp. He's always there. Um, I'll tell you this: when I went to buy that Waldo figurine, I was wearing glasses, and I had like my haircut, and I was wearing like a beanie, and I was also wearing like a red shirt. And the, the lady was like. <laughs> Are you? Is that like some weird thing you're into? Uh, I'm like, wait, what? I had no idea. I was looking like Waldo that day, and she's like, it's not a bad thing. He's not a bad-looking guy. That's just a weird thing that you would do. Uh, so there, there are several patterns that you can you can scan randomly, inch by inch. And um, there's pattern scanning. A lot of y'all say like, this is how I search through it. Um, There's a lot of different techniques, uh, and I will tell you there is actually a better technique um, than one of those. So did you know that doing Where's Waldo is a good indicator of how effective you would be at picking out abnormalities on x-rays? That will show you, you know, when somebody looks at an x-ray, um, they're looking for abnormalities, whether a broken bone or some some sort of abnormality within there. Um, they will scan, um, people will scan that just like we scan Where's Waldo does, search and find books. My girls love them. Um, studies show that when you're looking for an abnormality, there are more effective ways to searching than others. Depending on how you search through that Where's Waldo, you may actually be better at searching. Don't fret. If your Where's Waldo game is a little rusty, searching, finding abnormalities, staying focused, avoiding distraction, are all learned skills that can be developed over time. This is what we we are learning. This is part of the neuroplasticity um, that we can actually learn to be better at searching. So, who is good at searching? All right. So that is, uh, that's the best of the best of the best hide-and-seekers in the world. That's the finals of the world championship hide-and-seek. It takes place, I think, in Brazil. Um, I love how beautiful of a location that is where there would be a ton of natural places to hide. And they're like, let's put up these little tiny walls and... Bales of hay, and y'all can hide behind these things. Um, That is a real thing. If you think you're really good at hide and seek, um, you should enter in for next year. You might get a free trip to Brazil um, and hang out there. And do they do it kind of a weird way? You you have to like tag that big lump of pillow. and you got to make it back to base. The guy stands there like the whole time, and it's, if you watch the whole video, it's like 15 minutes long, which I shouldn't have watched the whole video. Uh, I was curious. Um, he just stands there the whole time and misses every single person. I'm like, that's the best in the world. You've got to be kidding me. What? Uh, he's got to tag you, you know. Um, if you tag, then you're it. I'm not sure how the entire tournament works. So based off the studies, um, this is who's good at searching. Uh, based off the studies that I found um, and the how uh, attention works, uh, those that compared one x-ray with several others. Uh, so you have an, a, a couple of options. Um, when, when they did this study, somebody who looked at the x-ray with the abnormality on it, they scanned it um, and scanned meticulously with patterns and ways that w- of which they were looking for it. And then there were those that had several x-rays in front of them, some that were normal, some that had other abnormalities, and then the one they were trying to pick out the abnormality in. And they'd look at that one, and then look at the others, and look at the others, and then come back and look at the one that they needed to, and they kept going back and forth between those two. They say that is actually way more effective of a way um, to find an abnormality in an x-ray. So that is actually a technique they're going to start teaching in med school, um, because they found that they are more likely to find the abnormalities that need to be found when you're looking for something. Those that scanned every inch often grew tired and missed more abnormalities. So if you're playing Where's Waldo and you literally look at every single character, that would take forever. And your eyes and your brain will just grow tired. And even though you might stare directly at him, your brain might be so tired that you may not even recognize him. Those that looked at other scans allowed their brains to reset, find new things on their area of study more frequently. So every time they took their eyes off the page, this is a good distraction, y'all. They took their eyes off the page to give their brain um, a refresher, like, oh, that's um, what I need to be looking at difference in. I can see a difference between this one and that one. So what can we learn from this? Sometimes our ability to focus is actually our distraction. Um, sometimes when we're hyper-focused, that can actually be a distractor from what we actually need to be doing. We need to become aware of our blinders. We need to know that when, we're, when our head is down um, and looking at something, or when we're trying to engage in something else, we're completely unaware of our surroundings. Uh, they talk about this study that they um, say uh, people will throw a ball back and forth Um, On this video, I couldn't find it, otherwise I'd show it to you. They throw a ball back and forth, and your objective is to count how many times they throw the ball back and forth. Um, And you're so focused on what's happening um, between the two people throwing the ball that you don't notice there's a monkey that walks by and beats its chest uh, and then continues to walk by. And they say like like 70% of the people don't even recognize or see that there was a monkey on there. Um, But once you do see it, you cannot not see it. It's not always your ability to focus, but what you're focusing on. Um, Sometimes we can focus on the wrong thing. So uh, that's important to note as well. This is called the isolator. Um, This guy had a hard time getting work done and wanted to be as efficient as possible. So he invented this contraption uh, that made it to where the author at work in his private study aided by the isolator, outside noises being eliminated, the worker can concentrate with ease upon the subject at hand. So he has oxygen going into his mask. He's putting up so many blinders That the only thing he can see is his hands and the paper in front of him. Um, So he's hyper aware of what he's trying to do so that it can be so efficient. Um, What that also does is that it cuts you off from the rest of the world. Um, And we'll find out how that can be a really, really bad thing. So this is where we left off yesterday. Um, But see. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And this is where we want to focus on. Uh, This is where, uh, this is going to be the one thing you put in your pocket that says, if I'm going to sum everything up, what am I supposed to do with all this? How am I supposed to relate this to my faith? Um, How can I overcome my inability to focus for a long period of time, how can I remain not distracted, and whatever thing, things that I'm confronted with, we need to see first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we're going to watch one more stick
2: figure. You physically feel the sickness with headaches, body aches, fevers, coughing, and sneezing. It bothers me just thinking about it, which reveals the other way to feel sick. Sickness is a mental game. Sickness overcomes your whole body. Even if you just have a headache where the physical pain is only in your head, you cannot help but let that headache control how you feel overall. When you're sick, the only thing you can think about is being sick. In some other ways, it changes your identity. I am sick. You begin to compare yourself to whenever you weren't sick and how great it was. You start to begin to think, this is it. It's going to be like this forever. I will only breathe out of one nostril for the rest of my life. Oh, how I took breathing normally for granted. Sin is the sickness of this world. It has invaded this world like the sickness of the body. It was never meant to be a part of this creation. It was never meant to be a part of who you are. Yet it is there, and it has crept into every crevice of this planet. So much so that we cannot imagine life without it. We have to remember that sin is not normal. It is not the way that it is supposed to be. It never fits into the creation that God created. Sin is never normal or natural. It mm-hmm. never fits. God's creation did and can exist without it. When we, as humans, first sinned, it created a second creation within God's creation. And that was a kingdom of rebellion. Sinfulness became a war. It became a war of obedience versus disobedience to God. The one that was meant to bear the image of God waged war against God through sin. This left the relationship between God and man fractured, which spiraled into a life within God's creation as it should not be. The sickness of man's rebellion against God has crept throughout all creation. Just like the sickness of your body. We have to remember a time when things were not that way. And our hope that it will not always be that way. When Jesus came, he came as a healer. He came as the solution, the antidote of sin. But like all kids' medicines, they take time for them to take their full effect. What's even more incredible is the, that right after sin crept into the world and created a second kingdom that was in rebellion to God's kingdom. God quickly promised his plan of action to heal and redeem what seemed hopeless. Sin entered into the world in chapter 3 of the first book of the Bible. She took up its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. All of the rest of scripture is God redeeming that moment and working towards healing humanity, which is where we find Jesus playing the hero of the redemptive story of the scripture from Genesis 3 on.
0: Seek first the kingdom of God. It doesn't say seek only the kingdom of God. God knows, Jesus knew that we struggle with seeking His kingdom. He knows that we are distracted human beings. Um, And we need to be reminded constantly, as Peter was reminded when he was denying Christ that we need to seek first the kingdom of God. That's where we need to start. Oftentimes, we don't start with God's plan. We start with our own. And sometimes they're connected, but a lot of times they're disconnected. And it's really, really important for us to really start at this level. Because we have this tendency uh, to to seek this kingdom of rebellion over this kingdom of God. And so we need to recalculate, we need to recalibrate uh, what it means for our bodies um, to sit back and shift our focus towards the right thing. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing a retreat. That's why we're doing a conference. So that y'all can take this opportunity in this week to reset yourself. So you can reset your focus to the right thing. It's overwhelming. You're going to go home and your week isn't going to be like this week until next year. Um, You may have other retreats which are good. And that will serve a similar purpose. But this week is very unique in the sense that it is meant to reset yourself so that your focus is on the kingdom of God going back into your normal lives where your focus is normally not set that way. Um, And we need to remember that we can, what I've talked about, the brain science is that we can change our brains. To focus that way. But the most important thing we need to do is not rely on ourselves because we found out that our sin is so deep within us that we are always going to naturally tend to fall towards sin, which is why we need Christ. And that's the good news is that He has done this work for us and so we need to seek Him over ourselves. So where is your focus? Are you too focused? Do you even know why you focus on what you focus on? Are you aware of where your focus is at? Are you focused at all? Is your brain just all over the place? Where is your heart? What are your intentions? What is the last thing you would expect to be taken away from you? Think about that. How would that make you feel? We can often tell what is important to us the minute we lose control over it. If everything about your faith was taken away, how would that make you feel? That's a heart check. Where is your relationship with the Lord? In the sense of if everything you knew about your faith was taken away, how would you respond? How would you feel? So we're going to take a couple minutes, and I want you all to sit with that. Um, I talked about earlier um, from this book. Brainstorm, he talks about sitting and reflecting and becoming aware is one of the greatest things Adolescents can do to grow in a healthy appropriate way Uh, So I want to actually take a moment to practice this with y'all It's going to feel awkward, your mind's going to wander, you're going to get a little bit bored um, But I have questions in front of you that I really want you to sit and think about So just take a minute or two, and um, I'll reconvene us after that. If you feel like you're an external processor, externally process with your neighbor next to you. I get that. That's okay. But know that you know these are hard questions, and they need to be thought, thought out before you dive into conversation. So take a couple minutes. All right. Let's come back. I'm going to say one thing about this book. Um, if that just those couple minutes were tough for you, he has tons of exercises in here um, to practice reflection. I actually listened to the audiobook of this and I listened to it while I was running and I didn't realize he entered into the like reflection practicing stages and I thought, Dan, you are being super weird right now. Why are you saying, breathe in, breathe out, which, I, which was helpful while running. Um, <laughs> But he's got tons of stuff in here that is very, very practical. Again, he wrote this with teenagers in mind, and he wrote it so that teenagers will want to read it. So there's some really good stuff in there. Um, it's in the bookstore, it's fun, it's really accessible, and um, he's got some of this, a lot of stuff that I've talked about here uh, this week. So if you want to check that out, I highly recommend it. Um, it is a fun read uh, to know. How does your brain work? So. Which kingdom do you serve? We have a kingdom of rebellion. Serve sin, destruction, death, deviousness, formal acts of making things not right, not the way it is supposed to be. Um, we serve this kingdom from the moment we're born. We're born into our sinfulness, um, it is part of our inheritance. And that is just our human nature uh, that we've created for us. But the good news is that there's a kingdom um, that God has established when He created the world. Before He even created us Um, and when He first created us, there was the kingdom of God that started first. Um, That has always been there and has always had um, all the redeeming factors to it. And it serves to restore, redeem, make things right, make them as they should be even though, uh, even through the act of discipline. So even times where it seems like this isn't God's work, uh, why would I go through these things? Why would I struggle with this? Why would I um, go without if I, that one thing was taken away from me? Why is that happening to me? That may actually be part of your redeeming story. That may be a part of way that God is healing you so that you are more um, like Christ in those moments. Remember that our Savior died um, in order to restore this world. Um, And death is not a part of the plan that God has for us, but yet He had to go through that in order to begin full restoration. So sometimes that's true for us, and a lot of us, um, it it can be harder um, than others. This is why we put Satan as the opposer of God. Um, He is an adversary or opponent of God's kingdom. Satan can be referred to anyone who serves in this capacity. Uh, there's actually, if you look at Hebrew, um, Hebrew scripture talks about ha-satan. That's the Satan. The Satan that we refer to, the deviator. Um, you can relate that to the serpent um, in Genesis versus satan, which is actually just referring to anybody in scripture that is um, naturally tending towards um, deviating God's plan. And that's, that's a little bit humbling to think Oh, like I can be referred to a Satan. In um, the same way, a Christian can be related to Christ. You know, Christian is another way of saying a little Christ, a small Christ. Um, being referred to as a Satan, we don't go around and call people Satan. Um, that's very inappropriate and a little weird. And the, There's a, a dissonance in the uh, communication of that, so we don't do that. It's a little bit harsher, and being called a Satan goes a little bit deeper. But also let that tell you, when you're being called a Christian... Um, you should realize you are being connected to the Savior of this world. Um, So that should mean something to you. Because we are sinners and have been enslaved by sin, our tendency is to serve the kingdom of rebellion. This is a distraction from who God created us to be. So our sinfulness is our distraction. Everything that takes us away from our relationship with the Lord is a distraction. So everything I've talked about this week is telling you that is our greatest distraction. And I've focused a lot on phones or media or whatever. That's just one thing. That could also be the sinfulness in your life with your friends or your enemies or your parents. Anything um, from, you know, to the creation of this world. Everything in the way that you take care of this planet. If you're not doing it in the way that God intended you to, that's a distraction from the plan that God has for you. And this is how distraction leads to death. And this is why God had a plan. That when sin came into the world, when we became distracted from God's plan for us, um, when they took the fruit, they knew, um, you know, the serpent knew, it's like you wouldn't surely die, but yes, you would. You became distracted from God's plan. That created a separation from God. And our relationship with God is so important because He is the sustainer and creator of this life. And when we're separated from Him, when we're distracted from Him, that leads us towards the path of rebellion, which leads us to death. So what is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and in death to God, and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. That's in Romans 14. Let's think back to that lifeline that we drew. Okay, I had y'all do that, like one of the first things we did in this class. Think about your lifeline. Uh, And let's say that this is, you know, this is Jesus' lifeline. Um, With, you know, birth to death, um, and you can say resurrection, and and the life after. Um, You could say that 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 is Jesus' lifeline. And then we talked about how we never stick to the lifeline that we create for ourselves. We tend to deviate off of that. We go off of the lifeline. We tend to do this. Okay? That's our lifeline. We try to do uh, Jesus' lifeline, but we end up doing this black one that squiggles. It crosses over a couple times, but then we end up so far uh, gone from what we're actually meant to do, what we're wanting to do, um, that we get lost and we stray away. However, there is good news. Um, We can go from here um, to there. But we have to remember it's not on our own accord. When we we want that, when we want the the standard of God's goodness, um, we have to remember it's not our own work. It's not by our own hands. It's actually by Christ. That our representation to God is not our own. Our goodness, our ability to focus is never going to meet the standards that God has created us for. We have to remember um, that Christ has created that standard. That that is the goodness of the gospel. That when we go before the throne of God um, and we're before His mercy seat and before His judgment seat, um, that we do not need to worry because God uh, when as Russ was talking about, um, that when we are sitting before there, that, that seat, um, He sees Jesus and not us. He knows that we're so distracted that we need Jesus in order to be saved. And that's so, so good that our ability to focus is always going to fall short, but Jesus didn't, and so thus we are saved, and that is good news. So that question I asked earlier was the New City Catechism. Um, I don't know if any of ever, any of y'all have ever read it. There's actually a devotional over in the bookstore. Um, it's phenomenal. It asks a million questions. We tried to go through the whole thing um, in our middle school class this past year, and we got through like 20 questions, and we didn't get very far. But it asks one question at a time related to our faith, and it provides a quality response with Scripture and a devotional to go along with it. Um, but it, it's that's the first question I asked was, what is our hope? In life and in death, our only hope in life and in death, um, and that's the response it gives um, and here's a quote that I got out of, out of that devotional uh, so the sole haven of salvation is to be wise in nothing and to will nothing through ourselves but follow the leading of the Lord alone Uh, Again, that's really humbling, especially for me, uh, my own personality type, is that I want to do everything myself. I feel sufficient. I feel like I can do this. I feel like I'm good. I feel like I can rise to the occasion and compete at a level that is better than most. That's my natural tendency. That is my sinful tendency. What John Calvin is saying... It's saying that if you are to follow the Lord and want to be good in the eyes of God, you can never do it in your own ability. You have to rely on the Lord in order to go before God the Father. And so the most important thing we can do in this life when we struggle to focus and when we struggle with distraction is that we have to be wise in nothing. And we have to be um, nothing to ourselves. But we have to follow the Lord alone. That we cannot follow our own path. We cannot seek our own life because our life is never going to be sufficient enough. We need to follow God's life. We need to follow Jesus' life in order to live to the standard that God had for us. But how do we do this? Um, there are probably more ways than this, but these are three ways that I kind of, uh, like drew out of it. Um, the biggest thing is that we have to have a relationship with the Lord. Um, In order for us to stay focused long enough, in order for us to not be distracted by the rebellion and sinfulness of our life, um, we have to have a relationship with the Lord. And here are three practical ways that we can do this. Prayer. Seeking the kingdom is more than living a life of good work. It is. It is a life of good work and faithful days. Seeking the kingdom is also seeking God with your words, thoughts, and intentional presence. It's good to do good things, guys. I'm not going to deny that. But it's also good for us to sit alone and be with the Lord in prayer. Can you imagine having um, a relationship with somebody that you've never talked to? That's really hard to do. Think about that. Think about the closest person in your life. As somebody that you've spent the most time with, as somebody you've, you know, spilled your heart out to, and they've listened and they've responded. We need to do the same thing with God. That is going to heighten our relationship with the Lord. He's going to hear you. He's going to listen to you. He's going to respond to you in prayer. That's going to help you in your focus in your relationship with Him. Scripture. This was really hard for me um, when I first became a Christian. I didn't really pick up my Bible till I first became a Christian. And I had no idea what I was doing with it. It's a very complicated book. Um, to know the Lord is to know His Word. All that there is to know about God and having a relationship with Him in this life is revealed through His Word. He will reveal Himself to you. We've tried to Run all over Scripture in this class so that you can see how much um, we can learn about God just by looking at bits and pieces. But know that all of Scripture will reveal God's character to you. It will reveal Himself to you. So it's really important why it's important that we get in His Word on a daily, regular basis. Again, how can you know somebody if you don't seek them And God has revealed Himself to us in Scripture, in His Word. So it's important that we dive deep into that. Alright, and this last thing, and this is actually how we'll close, is the church. And instead of me trying to explain the church, I relied on some of my favorite musicians who released an album um, who gave their own rendition of what the church is supposed to be and what the church can be. So we're going to actually listen to the song and we're going to go through the lyrics um, and um, just be done. So uh, sit back, relax, uh, look at the screen. If you're more of an auditory person, don't look at the screen if that's distracting for you. Um, But we're going to jump into this. song it sounds very um, cultural but it's rooted in Christ. The blood of Christ showers upon the saints. that is the church and that in the church we have mothers, fathers, brothers and sisters in our lives help us keep us accountable, to care for us when we're down, to be related to when we are struggling. It is important for us to be rooted in a church, to be surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ, to know that we're not alone in this, to know that we do not lose focus on our own, that we all fall short of the glory of God, and that we all need Christ to get there. So it's important for us to always be surrounded by that thing. Let me pray for you all. And y'all have been awesome this week. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this week. Thank you for this opportunity to be up here um, to bring your word, to see what it means to be focused on the kingdom of God, and to know that you are a good God, that you don't just leave us here, that you abandon us in our distraction, but that you have a plan for us in our rebellion, that you redeem us with your Son. Um, that you give us the good news of the gospel, to know that we are fully restored when our relationship with you is restored in Christ um, by the work that he has done and that you allow us to come to you. Help us take this, uh, regain our focus to you so that we can go home and continue to do that and to grow in that in the ways that we need to. In the name we pray. Amen.